I don't, I don't know what this is going to be. I'm showing up as, as sort of prepared in the ways that I feel I need to be prepared, um, which is going to change from situation to situation. You know, it's not always going to be the same. Um, but then to show up and be attentive and be present and, and, and open to receiving and responding to, um, you know, the, the, the totality of all the relationships that, that you are interacting with, you know, and that are around you. And I think that that's a, that's a huge shift. It's, it's, it's really more so a shift in perspective than it is about learning a system. This is Way of the Artist with Brandon Colby Cook and Evan Schulte. Identifying your blocks and demystifying your struggles so that you can claim your own path and make your life a work of art. Clever or a creative accident? That's what we're getting into today. Uh, this idea that, you know, a lot of things that happen in the creative world don't actually happen on purpose. They happen actually kind of by accident. They're, they're kind of mysterious. And we see this a bit when you see some of the top tier people, you know, talk about their process and talk about what happened. And it wasn't as planned as everybody sometimes thinks it is, or some think it is. And it's kind of like, we're thinking it's kind of like, you know, this is carrying on the topic of like letting go of control, letting something actually happen. And the mystery of what comes out is actually kind of the magic. So there, there's kind of sometimes this overthinking, these assumptions, this, this stuff about like how you can maybe control the creative process or work it or whatever. And again, we're going to try to direct away from those type of ideas and direct more towards the idea of letting this stuff happen and putting yourself in a place where it can. I have said my piece, Evan, and I think <laughs> you have a lot more to say. So go ahead. Oh, do I have a lot more to say? I probably do. Um, yeah, no, I think that this is, um, this conversation, uh, is a fascinating one and it's one that sort of, I've been aware of for a long time now. Um, I think sometimes practicing it can, can be a little bit challenging at times because, you know, we're sort of conditioned and we're, we're patterned to kind of approach things always like, um, you know, from a, in a head first approach as in like, you know, a mind first approach. We don't necessarily move towards that state of, as you said, being out of control. Um, but when it comes to creativity, uh, as we've talked about many times in the podcast, you know, creativity always comes from an unknown space. Um, but there's, there's this continual thing that, that comes up of trying to, to control it. In fact, we just had a podcast like a little while ago about controlling creativity and sort of the fallacy on that. And I guess in some ways I didn't realize this is in many ways, like a, could be a little continuation of that conversation in, in some ways. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I've continually run into this, this thing where I've, uh, not only in my own experience of this, um, but hearing, uh, other artists and in, in interviews and different, 
medium is basically kind of sharing this this thing that uh, when you try to get really clever about your process, um, it things usually start to go awry. Things usually um, what you're actually trying to get to um, gets further and further away from you, and you know it's it's i think it's definitely a big part of our culture i'll i'll bring up um you know something that uh, i re- i heard simon sinek talk about just in terms of like even in the corporate world uh in which he deals with but he's like i i continually hear big companies say that they're all about innovation and efficiency and <laughs> And he's like, and he's like, it's amazing how many companies say that, you know, that's their, that's like their, their mission statement. That's, that's, you know, how they see themselves and basically kind of pulling the, the, the rug out from underneath them and saying like, well, that's not possible innovation. And by innovation, I think that we can, we can lump that in with creativity as being like the same thing essentially, but innovation is not efficient. It doesn't come that way. Sometimes it does come quickly, but it doesn't mean that it's always that way. And it certainly doesn't mean that it's an efficient process. It is a process that requires whatever the hell it requires, that requires as much time as it needs um, in order for something to kind of come out of it. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I'm excited to, uh, to explore this uh, a little bit more. Well, I think you bring in a good point just to start, you know, that creativity is not something that you're going to find with efficiency. And I think, um, you know, trying to be too smart about it, trying to, trying to overthink it is trying to do it efficiently. It's trying to be creative in an efficient way. And it doesn't really work because you're, you're, there's a, there's like some kind of key element. I think that's usually missing when you try to do creativity in an efficient way, you kind of, you think you know something and maybe you know something, but you don't know enough. And because you don't know enough, you miss some key element to it, which is really important, which is really like a, a grounding or truthful element to the creativity. They did um, an experiment that they wanted to test creativity. So what they did was they took it one group and they got them to basically have no stimulus and they took another group and they gave them lots of stimulus. So the group with no stimulus, um, they had to watch things like people folding laundry and really boring, boring stuff, things that didn't, you know, that just wouldn't entertain you in and of themselves. And the other group got to watch stuff that was like, I don't know, you know, maybe I don't really know enough about the experiment to know what they did to stimulate them, but it was stuff that would be very entertaining. Like maybe a show you'd really like, or, whatever stuff that would just really captivate you and take your attention. And so when it got, after they did this part of the process, then they would have to be creative in some form or another. And across the board, every single time, the people who were in the group that had no, no to low stimulus were way more creative than the people who had a lot of stimulus. And the idea is that um, partly by doing nothing, by, by not having anything to kind of provoke you, you actually, your mind starts to wander. It starts to play. It starts to explore upon its own self. And through that creativity comes. So there's something interesting about that. When we talk about this kind of like 
um, you know, just trying to be crafty and trying to think up a way, right? Is that sometimes it's by giving yourself nothing that actually makes you find something really spectacular and incredible. Mm -hmm. And there's a, you know, this isn't just for like acting or anything like this is for writing too. You know, I think um, I demonstrated this with my class the other week, which we, we had a whole scene that was just about, that's my cup. And the whole scene was Mm -hmm. about a cup and it's such a meaningless mundane idea to, to who cares about a cup. But if a couple people get together and a cup becomes really important, I guarantee you, you can be absolutely captivated and more captivated by this scene about a cup than you could about people running from a volcano or something. Like it's, it's, it's really interesting how sometimes the most simple things have the most create, creative uh, outlets in them. And sometimes these really crafty um, ideas, they actually lack that because I think sometimes there's an assumption that in the stimulus is what's interesting. And actually, that isn't actually always the case. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's the lack of stimulus. It's it's the minute, the the boring that actually is what really grabs people's attention and makes them like really attached to an idea. Yeah, and and you bring up a really interesting point. Um, uh, in uh, Nick Offerman's book, "Paddle Your Own Canoe," he he kind of talks about that where it's like. You know, it's interesting what happens in theater, you know, when you have like a like a little black box theater with minimal props and stuff like that for your production. It's like the it's like the audience in some ways is more involved and engaged in participating in the production because the imagination has to fill in the blanks as opposed to some big Broadway production where they can where they're literally like driving a car onto the stage, you know, like where everything's just sort of there for you. Um, and then you sort of become more dependent on that sort of stimulation to give you, you know, to give you everything as opposed to, yeah, just, um, yeah, having less. And, well, and yeah, I mean, can I just jump in? Yeah. Look at horror movies, for example. When uh, horror movies, when they became a really big thing, they these movies often didn't have a very big budget, so they couldn't show the monster, and they couldn't show a lot of the things, the the guts and the glory and the stuff that they wanted to do. Gore, I think I said. Gore. Yeah. Anyway, um, so because of that, it made people fill in their imagination of the unknown, and it was much more creepy. And then later, they tried to get creative, and they're like, "Let's show the monster. Let's give these." things and actually it took away the fear because the more you see the thing the less your imagination's at work and the less scary it is and so you could say that it's a creative accident to not have a big budget and then have a much scarier monster because you're not able to show it like jaws for example is is another good example of this right like limitations uh budget wise or just technical wise whereas some of these other movies um uh, you know, I actually fail to even think of an example because usually they're not memorable because you, you end up seeing the monster so much, they're not scary and they don't stick with you. Um, yeah. and that's, you know, that's this idea of really trying to show and think that you're so smart that you know, what's going to scare people. And you don't realize that the thing that scares them is actually not what you think it is. It's much more simple. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting, like particularly in the film world where, you know, when you have more limitations and and how these creative solutions come up and how they can end up paying off these really unexpected dividends, which is, um, 
you know, that's half of what the equation of this conversation that, that we're having, these creative accidents. And, you know, here's the thing, creative accidents don't just, in some ways they happen by themselves, but there, I think that there is a way in which they're sort of set in motion. You know, there is, um, there's still an attention to doing something, right? You know, there's still um, a passion and a devotion and a direction that you're going in, but you are also sort of let go to the process, right? You're you're um, you're present and responsive to the process and and the moment to moment of of how this whole thing that you're creating is 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 happening. And through that, all of these things kind of have a way of, of coming out. But again, I think it's, as you've been sort of alluding to, um, that stuff comes out of simplicity, you know, and like we have one of our laws, the laws of simplicity, and that's a huge, huge part of it, um, you know, is when you focus and put your attention on just doing something very simple, all kinds of little things have a way of, of coming out. A couple of examples of this, um, just that I can share in my own experience are, you know, A, in acting. You know, when I really started to understand this as a principle and part of my acting, which was at one stage, I was trying to show the work that I was doing. You know, like I was really trying to like, oh, I've worked so hard at this and I'm developing my character and da 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 and, and trying to, and, and yeah, really trying to like make sure that the audience got that. And that's that cleverness thing. I want everyone to see how clever I am and, and what I came up with and blah, 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 blah. Well, it, the problem is, is that I'm so focused on doing that while I'm performing that I'm not actually just being responsive to the moment. And once I started to understand and trust my response to what was happening in the moment well all of these little things have a way of coming out like that work you know has ends up influencing it in a way that is beyond what you could consciously do you know what i mean like there's sort of it becomes part of like an unconscious reality that's that's living on the stage mm. um and I'll just also say with, with writing as well, you know, like some of the, my, my flirtations with like screenwriting and stuff, I'll, I'll say it cause I won't, I won't call myself a, a screenwriter, but I've written some stuff as you know, Brandon, but one of the things that I found fascinating about that process was the way I learned about writing. I learned a few tools certainly, but they were very simple. You know, it was just like, okay. This is sort of the story I want. This is where it ends. This is what I kind of think that this story is about. And now I'm going to write this thing and it's going to be in service to that, that thing. You know, that's maybe an oversimplification of it, but that's the, ba the, the basic gist of it all. And upon going back after writing the script, going back and seeing all of these things that have come out in the script that I didn't intend to put in there, that I, it wasn't a conscious thing that I was putting in there, but there's these 
fascinating things that 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 end up coming out. Um, mm. And so I think that that's um, that those are some of the ways in which like this this sort of thing that we're talking about works. I hear that I I, I do, and uh, I think um, I, I always think back to that script you wrote on the highway because. I feel like that was kind of very early on in our screenwriting endeavors together. And that was something you, you went off and did on your own. And I remember um, there, there were moments in that that really impacted me. And it took me years to really understand why. And I, you know, I learned a lot about screenwriting. I learned a lot about the craft and, you know, I have lots of screenwriting friends and lots of producing friends and people who, you know, that, they have all their opinions and ideas about what makes a good script. But what I find what's interesting is that sometimes the thing that impacts you the most is not like a technique that's used. It's, it's like, for me, I think the reason why that script had an impact was because there were certain truths that were being told and you didn't try to put them through anything other than I'm, I'm going to kind of like share I, I don't know. It's actually even possible for me to describe it because I don't know what you did. <laughs> and that was kind of what's great about it. You know, because I didn't know what you did and I didn't know what you were doing and I didn't know what you were up to, I couldn't predict what was going to happen. And because I couldn't predict what was happening, it hit me by surprise. And because it hit me by surprise, I had an emotional impact and then it was memorable. And I think this is kind of the problem when we start to get, you know, a little too creative about our creativity. We, we think, oh, I know how to get people to feel this way or do this thing. And you don't realize that because you know what you're doing, they know what you're doing. And um, I think this is particularly true for writing. With writing, uh, you know, I've come to realize that, and I think acting, and I think a lot of this stuff, you almost have to trick yourself out of thinking you know what you're doing. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> look, like, I don't know, something I've been learning. I mean, I feel like filmmaking is this, is this endeavor that I've taken on in this life, um, you know, whatever happens with it happens with it, but it's something that I continually learn and explore with. But sometimes you're not, you don't need to try to control what's going to happen. You just need to make sure that you're going to capture it in a way that you'll have something to work with. So you don't know, like you don't know what side of the you know, sometimes, in, in some, sometimes it's a little more clear, you know what you're trying to do, you know, the shot, you know, how you're playing with it, but other times you don't really know what you're going to get until you're there. And so then you find out in that moment, oh, this is what's happening. And now you kind of have to notice that and be like, okay, hey, let's try and let's, let's like, let's get that. Let's push that. Let's look into that, you know, and let's see what happens if we, if we push that button and, I know that actors can really appreciate this because sometimes they don't know this thing is inside of them. And then, a uh, you know, a, a director can kind of go, well, like, what about this? You know, you, you're having a private conversation. What about this element or this thought, or, you know, maybe this thing, maybe it's actually more meaningful than, than it actually seems. And it's like, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then boom. And then all of a sudden something happens and you're like, and they didn't know what happened and you didn't know what happened. And everyone on set didn't know what happened. Um, this happened to me on set in the last movie I did where we shot something the night before and everyone was really, really happy with this shot and this scene and this take. And then um, I was just like, I, I just had this inkling that there was something there. And I just went up to the actress. I said, one more, one more. 
And I went up to her and I said, you know, like, well, what if you actually care? You know, what if, what if this actually is more meaningful than you're saying it is? And, and it was great. Don't get me wrong. The way everything had went was great. She's a professional actress. Everyone's professional. They did a great job. And I just remember seeing her go, oh yeah, right. And then she just kind of let it hit her. And then it was so much more impactful. The next morning, one of the guys from uh, the crew came up to me and said, man, I like, I don't know how you saw that because we are all like, that was a great take. And then you walked up and you said, you know, whatever you said. And then all of a sudden it was something else. And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I just kind of was like, I'm just going to honor this thing. I'm just going to honor this feeling. And that's like, that's a creative accident. That's mm -hmm. not like, I didn't know what we'd get. I just, but to me also, there was a part of it too, was like, well, we already got a good one. So what's the harm? I mean, yeah, time, time was a huge pressure on this film. Don't get me wrong. So that was a risk to take more time. And it might not seem like a big deal, but it really is. But I really just had an inkling. And I think as a creative, you, sometimes you just have to follow an inkling and not be so like, I know what this inkling is. But if you have yeah. that sense in yourself to go down a road, like try it, you might fail, it might not work, but it might. And if it does, and it's something else, you, wow, you'd be really happy you went and tried it out. Yeah, I, I you're you're bringing in, uh, I think, a vital part of this, this discussion. Um, which is, you know, in that ex in in that experience that you had, I mean, it's really just you're paying attention, you know, like you bring all of these kind of pieces together, you know, you're bringing these elements together in a place, and you're you're heading in a direction, and you notice something, you pay attention to something, you have an inkling, I believe is the word that that you said, and you and you cast off in that direction. You know, like you throw your your sails up to the wind, and you, and and you see where where it will take you. You know, and how far it will take you. Um, and and you don't know, you don't know what's going to come out of it. And I think that that's that is like such a beautiful thing. And the more you're trying to be clever about it, the more you 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 run the risk of losing out on that that stuff you're not you're not attentive and present to what's going on because you're so you can become so attached to this what's just an idea yeah you know in your mind when there's you know i always tell my acting students and it's something that um you know my teacher taught me but it was like your partner will take you further than you ever dreamed of you know and the whole the idea behind that was like take the attention off of yourself Put your attention on what's happening. Put your attention on your partner and respond. Just respond attentively, fully as possible to what's going on. And he's absolutely he was absolutely right because you end up you you your performance just ends up going to a place you're like, what is even going on right now? Like you're just you're just on this ride and 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 it's unpredictable and it's exciting and and there's a sort of there's a there's a kind of effortlessness to it you know there's a kind of in in the sense that i'm not trying to willfully do all of these things i'm just in in a way become a part of of this thing that is unfolding you know not to make it sound super woo woo and mysterious but you know I think that it's a mistake to try and define it too much, um, which is a, 
I think, a another aspect of this this conversation. I think we try to define things um, sometimes too much in the creative process, and 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 that can lead to a massive disservice. And in fact, I would say that I think you said this recently, actually, Brandon, in one of our other podcasts, is that you can really only define something in retrospect. You can only really define something looking back at it. You can't really, if you try to define things in the moment that it's happening, you're not really fully with something in a in a certain respect. You know, like you sort of checked out to a certain degree. Yeah. yeah I mean, the closest really the closest you can get to a like a def- definition of something is maybe 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 in the present moment is how you feel but like maybe yeah you know also like the other thing is kind of brought in something like i think part of the problem is is like it's this ego thing right it's like i did i created it i made it i thought it up i'm the smart one you know Mm -hmm. and that's part of the that's part of the problem right is that i think for for artists there's a incredible amount of pressure that most all artists feel which is that they need to be this this creative being this 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 person this artist maybe even a movie star whatever it might be and so i think with that idea comes this pressure of somehow you have to be special or you have to you have to know and i think the ego the idea that you need to be these things is part of the problem and that's what makes you try to to overthink it whereas I don't know, my, as I, as I get older and I kind of go down this path, the more I realize is like, everybody has something really unique about them, but, but there's only a few people that ever let that come out. Most people play very, very safe. They, they try to fit in. They don't like to be disliked by other people. They don't want to look weird. They don't want to look ugly. (laughs) Um, you know, and these are all very normal and natural things, but the artist when they abandon their ego, when they abandon the need to look good, when they abandon the need to look cool, to be accepted, to be liked, you know, all of these things, that's part of what allows the truth to come out and this uniqueness to come out. And it might be liked, it might be loved, it might be accepted openly, but it might not. And that's the risk. And if you don't take the risk, you don't get the reward. Um, But I don't think that I'm, throwing a stone very far by saying that we live in a culture that promotes safety and comfort. Mm. <laughs> like, and, and look, safety and comfort are nice things, but honestly, safety and comfort, in my opinion, and I would, I would argue the opinion of many is that's what leads to depression. The, the safe, convenient, comfortable life is a life of death because it is so bound by the ego because the ego does just needs control. It needs safety. It needs all of that stuff. Um, the, the less you, the less you fear, the less you need safety, the less you need comfort, the less you need ego. And through that, you know, the more willing you are to go out there and, and, and metaphorically die, die before people, you know, and, and, and the thing is, is the ego is what makes us scared of death. It's the ego is what makes us scared to live our best life because to live our best life might mean that our old, comfortable, secure life has to die. 
and we just don't want that to happen. And that, that's a metaphorical death, but by hanging on to the secure, comfortable life is also hanging on to this depression. It's hanging on to this, this, this ill-fated existence of nothing. And it's, it, it boggles my mind why, why we get convinced and why we actually believe we should, because I, I really think that um, it, creativity is not necessarily the end goal. It's a byproduct of living a fulfilled, like risk, uh, riskful life, you know, a life that actually dares for something. Creativity becomes a natural response to the unknown. It becomes a natural response to, you know, how am I going to navigate this thing that no one's ever navigated before? And I'm the first one here, you know, but that's a scary concept to pre present to someone. But when you are on the frontier of your life, you're alive, man. There's no room for depression. There's no room for sadness. There's no yeah. room for whatever. I mean, sure, you might get scared, but like the exhilaration of getting past fear is so invigorating that you have you don't want to fall back into this boring I don't know, like mundane existence. Right. So yeah. I think part of it is we're not just talking about being like, you know, smart about your art versus like letting your art kind of be smart about you. We're, we're talking about letting go of comfort, the comfort of control, the security of control, the, the, the safe ego driven life where you want to look good and not be ugly and not be rejected. And we're yeah. saying, if you really want what you say you want, you're going to have to be willing to be disliked. You're going to have to be willing to look ugly. You're going to have to be willing to be a, a weirdo, you know? And, but the thing is, is that if you do it fully and authentically, you might just find that that's what people want. And that's what they're looking for. They don't even know what they want. And then they admire you and go, how did you do it? And it's like, well, I dared to walk away from what you thought I should do. Really? That's really the answer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's so much in what you just in what you just said. Um, I think it's it's a fascinating thing because I think that you know in our culture we um, like we we idolize people who are these risk takers. Like this is kind of like, like the, a strange sort of conflict that I think that we we live with. Um, you know, in a, in a societal level, but also on an individual level, because we idolize these, these risk takers, these people who, who dare to pursue their dreams and, and especially the ones who, you know, achieve, you know, you know, all this sort of fame and glory and all, all that sort of stuff. But then at the same time, I would say that we more so act in actuality. We we teach and perpetuate a culture of safety, you know, like as if being one of those like creative risk takers is, is reserved for, for only, only a, a few people. Right. So we, we live with this mixed messaging, you know, I think from a very early age where it's like, where it's like, okay, I'm supposed to take risks, but I'm also supposed to, you know, be cautious and play it safe and like, all of this other stuff and, and have all of these comforts and, and, you know, build this security for, for myself. And so there's this, there's this friction, there's this conflict that, that, that creates, um, within us. 
which is uh, a pretty interesting challenge that we we come up against. But you know, as we've been saying, like ultimately, in a creative sense, it's like that that safety has to be let go of. There's no there's no formula that exists for it. You know, there's no um, there's no system that that creates any guarantee of of you know a creative outcome, right? They're just ideas that have worked at one time or another and could you know absolutely not work. You know, one hundred percent be an absolute failure. So, I mean, I think that this is why you know I, I would say that you and I are are advocates for for presence and attention because this is it, it's such a a lesson that that artists from all walks of life seem to learn, you know, where it's just like, oh, I need to just pay attention and be present. Like, yes, I have a, a direction that I start out from, but then it's, then it's who knows, you know, like there's, there's this, there's this willing, there's this willingness to let go that, that facilitates genuine creativity and that letting go isn't a system. You know, that letting go is an outlook. That letting go is is um is something else entirely that comes from from within us. I think it's a willingness to live your life. Honestly. Yeah. And I think that I think I think that it's it's not just it's not just about art. I think it's about life. I think it's about so much more than just trying to create a piece of work. I think it's about you know, having a life that's actually worth living. That's, that's, that's fulfilling. That's not this, you know, and I, I think that I look, I think that people naturally have fear and that we have a society that encourages it in us because basically we don't want to have to look after everybody who makes a mistake, you know? And, uh, there's a, there's a whole lot of reasons why, it, why it's just like, look, if you just play it safe, it's easier for me because I don't have to worry about you. I don't have to think about mm. you. If you're my kid and you do it safe, I know you're covered, your bases are covered. Okay, you're good. And then I'm good because you're good. You know, and there's this whole kind of society that's built on this like house of cards of everybody is good, right? Everyone's good. And mm-hmm. it's like, meanwhile, it's like, yeah, 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 you're good on the surface. But like deep down when you're on your own and you're alone, you're like, you're not good. You're not good. You're not happy. You come home from work and you got to watch TV because you're bored or whatever the hell it is that you're doing all day and all this stuff, you know, and you're not talking to the person you really like because you don't think you can do that. So you don't even dare. You don't even try. And it's all of this death after death after death of what you really are. And then we call that safety and security. And unfortunately, the people that buy into that try to push that on everyone else because well i'm doing it so you should do it and this is how we do it and it becomes this perpetual like disease thinking you know and that's why we have a society of disease you know there's a reason why people commit suicide there's a reason why we have a mass depression rate there's a reason why people drink all the time and do drugs all the time this is not a surprise but when when you actually push yourself into your true essence and you and you try to like remove yourself from fear you actually have a chance to figure out like hey 
there's something inside of me that's that's more than just i'm not just a machine i'm not just a a, a thing just going through the world like doing as everyone has always done before as a carbon copy of every other human being that's come before me you're you're actually you might have free thought you might have critical thinking and when you get away from the group thinking you get away from all that i mean it's a scary place to be because now you know you feel so alone but when you learn how to hang out alone you know now now you're an artist now you're now you're learning and and people people at first rejected you will want to be next to you because now they see that you're doing what they truly want to do. Because if you truly don't care what they think, when their insults and their, and their attacks at you don't matter, that's the first wave. But once that's done, and once you get through that and they realize you don't care, now they realize they can't affect you. They can't bully you. They can't tear you down. And now, oh, they want to hang out with you. They want to be at your parties. They want to be with you. They want your autograph. They want all that shit. They you want know, to know because, how you did it. Yeah. And, and just remember, it's not even their fault. It's it's the, we live in a groupthink idea of safety and security that somehow to dare to live is is some big risk. And it really isn't. It really isn't. Because you know what? If you dare to live, you're going to develop the skills you need to figure out. You can always go back, but you can't always go there. Because if, mm -hmm. you, if you stop going out and pushing your life, eventually your life's gone and you'll never build those skills. But when you go out and you risk it and you learn and you figure out how to do your own thing, how to be yourself, you can always go back. You can yeah. always figure out a way to fit in. And then you can leave by will. But people who never leave that, they are just stuck in a prison of the existence of safety and security. Yeah. That's maybe my opinion, but I honestly don't think you have to reach too far to find some other people who think like that, you know, who have a lot more clout and credibility than I do, at least on a social success scale to tell you the same exact thing. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good soapbox, Brandon. Dude, I'm preachy today, but look, man, I, I, this is my life goal, man. My life goal is like, I want to push myself outside of this fucking societal realm into my own true self and find out what that is. And if that means being disliked or ostracized or whatever to do that, fine, man, because it's worth it. Because when I look at the, the, the disease of social normal, I'm like, I don't want to be accepted in that. That's not okay. I don't want to be poisoned by my food or, you know, or have uh, abuses of power and just say, that's fine. I I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to push the status quo. I'm going to push out there. I'm going to say like, you know what? And, and if you don't like me while I do it, that's fine. But you know what? At the end of the day, I know people truly deep down, they admire that because I admire that when people do that. So, you know, and that's why I'm not just doing it for myself. I want to encourage others to do that. Because I think it's the death of an existence to just accept your lot and just be like, this is it. This is all I get. This is all I am. I just don't believe it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where do we go from there? I mean, I'm sure there's there's places we can go from there. Uh, for these sure, topics, but... man, they, li they light me up. <laughs> yeah, no, I think for, for good reason. It's just like it's yeah. – I think it's just because – you know, when, when you look at some of these matters closely, when we really kind of scrutinize 
you know, some of the ways that we, we do things and we live and the patterns and, and things that shape our lives. And when you really look at them and you scrutinize them and it's just like, this is insane. Like this is like, this is actually insane, but we've convinced ourselves that this is the most sane way to do this, right? Like it's this, um, but it's, it really is insane. Like there's no getting around it, you know, like there's, um, and you know, and don't get me wrong. There is, um, you know, there's ignorance and, and it's not us here saying that we've got this all figured out because, you know, there's so many ways in which I battle with the stuff that we're talking about every single day, you know, like the, the fears and the, and the insecurities and, and these things that, that keep us from, from daring to do these things and taking risks and, and stuff like it's, it's, you know, but there's every time we look at it and it's part of the reason why, you know, I love these conversations is it's a continual reminder for myself, you know, that, um, Hey, that isn't, that isn't the way you want to do things. That isn't the, the path that you want to take. Can today, tomorrow, you, you step out just a little bit further than, than you have before. Can you just take, can you take one more step? Can you take one more step to that thing towards that thing that really means something to you? And can you do it with as much abandon and joy that as you can muster, Mm -hmm. you know, not, not necessarily that the, that the fear isn't, isn't still, isn't still there, you know, but that it's not, it's not the, the controlling influence in what you're doing. Well, you know, I, I have a tenant and I've said this many times before, but you know, one of my tenets in life, one of my core principles is don't make decisions out of fear, whatever you do, just don't make a decision out of fear. You know, you can feel all the fear you want, fine, but don't make it because you're scared. Just don't, don't, don't do it because you're scared of what might happen to find a better reason, find, find a better reason for yourself. You deserve that. You're more than that. You're more than your fear. And you know what? Fear is good though. It keeps you alive. It does a lot of good things. There's nothing wrong with having fear, but don't make decisions out of fear. Yeah. Just don't let like, like, even if you feel a profound amount of fear, even if it causes you to do the same thing by thinking about it and making it from a different decision, just don't make it because you're scared because scared people make bad decisions. Yeah. They make really, really poor decisions. Now, if you're truly faced with the tiger in the, in the forest or the bear or whatever, and you're about to get eaten and fear is going to make you run or fight or do whatever the hell it is that you need to do to stay alive. Well, you could argue that that's fine. But that's not really what's happening 99% yeah, of the time. And and honestly, that's not even necessarily fear at a certain level, or at least it's a different relationship to fear than the one we normally experience. Yeah. Um, just as a, some, uh, some neighbors of mine, just yesterday, I was chatting with them and they were saying that, you know, they'd gone on a hike with some friends and uh, up to these um, waterfalls and, uh, it's a hike that they've done many times before. And anyhow, they were crossing the Creek. Um, that's, that's just above the waterfall and a friend of theirs, I guess, slipped 
or whatever that they were on this this hike with and like slipped and were was holding on to a rock like almost almost went over this waterfall like which would have been almost certainly fatal and the group of them had to like all like they held they they were holding each other's hands creating like a human chain to grab their friend and pull them out like that happened like just recently to them and they were talking about how like they just acted like there wasn't even this this is the thing it's like it's this you hear about it and you're like oh my god what a scary situation and you can be afraid of that situation happening to you but in the moment that these things actually happen there's not really time to be afraid there was just action because like the and and it was just interesting because they were expressing that exact point they were just like we just you know you just did what you had to do like it wasn't a matter of like being scared it was just action so it's just I'm bringing this up to kind of question like just to call into question our relationship to fear and what fear actually is is to us and for us well I think that's a good example because you know we're probably not as scared as we think we are when it really comes down to it you know there's the the moments when you have to act you know, yeah, we can say, well, it was fear, but it's like, you might realize that you're actually a lot more solid than you realize, you know, there's like, um, like I can watch a movie and someone gets like cut open and I'm like, Oh, ugh, that's fucking horrible. But then yeah. I've been in situations where someone has gotten cut and open and I, I've been the one holding their arm, making sure they don't bleed, bleed out and making sure that everything's good and repairing them. And it was super calm and cool through the whole thing because yeah. I knew I needed to take care of them. And that's what mattered. And I think we have this weird relationship to fear because most of fear is imagined. So when you're watching a movie, you're like, I'm going to let myself have the fear feeling. But when you're in the situation, you might actually find out that like fear doesn't even factor in because there's just higher values. And I think this is my point though, man, is like, don't make decisions out of fear because really fear is actually quite a low value on the list of what your values are. So find a higher value, you know, and you might say, well, I'm scared, but then you might say, but I want to stay alive is a higher value. And, and the, you, you might not think they're different, but they are, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, well, self- it's like, it's, there's a simple thing to that. It's just like, are you, is your life in danger right now? In this very moment right now, yes. is your, is your life in danger? Probably not. Right. For most people, probably not. If you're listening to a podcast right now and your life is in, <laughs> if you're <laughs> on the edge of a cliff going, these guys really got a point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's doubtful. It's pretty doubtful that's the situation. Um but yeah, it's it's um it it definitely calls into question what what is the f- what what is the actual fear that's going on right now and and for the most part they're of the imaginary kind. Yeah. as you've pointed out. So, um, mm. well, just to, I mean, just to kind of wrap this back around, right? So it's like, um, you know, this this whole, like, trying to outthink, like, how you'll be, you know, like, uh, uh, maybe I'll share another story about something I think might relate, because 
you know, if you're writing this as an acting scene or a, a, a screenplay or a movie, you might think that it goes a certain way, but um, the story goes like this. I was going downtown to a movie premiere and my car had been broken into twice before in the, like it never been broken into before, but this year it already been broken into twice. And I had a lot of like kind of issues around it. You know, I was just like, Hey, like I need to be careful. My car seems to be a target, whatever. And, um, I was like, Hey, but I'm going to this thing. And, and I found some parking a few blocks away. And as I parked there, I was like, I don't know about this parking lot, but I was like, but it's close. Okay. Whatever I see. But, you know, also I'm just running through my head. Like, you know, I just don't want my car to get robbed, but it was there. Right. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to head back. I'm going to be back in my car at 11 at the absolute latest. I'm leaving the premiere, no matter what I'm leaving. I'm going to be back at 11. I'm at the premiere. Of course I'm at the premiere. And we're having a blast and everyone and all of a sudden I start talking to people. I start meeting people and everyone's like, no, stay, stay, don't go, don't go. And I was like, no, I said to myself, I would leave at 11. And so I'm leaving at 11 and it was hard because I wanted to stay, but I said I would leave at 11 and that was it. I'm walking down the street. So I'm walking down the street. <laughs> I look over at my car and the doors open and I'm like, fuck, I've been robbed again. I was like, and I'm walking up to the car. And as I get up to the car, I see that there's a guy in my car scavenging through my shit. So I walk up and I grab him by the back of his collar and I pull him up and I pin him against the door. And I'm like, put everything down right now. And like, like <laughs> if you've never seen me when I get like intense, I get pretty intense. I'm a pretty nice guy, but uh, when I get intense and this guy was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And as I'm looking at this guy, like my first thought was I just like, just want to just knock him out, just like put everything right through his face. You know what I mean? And as I looked him in the eyes, I just saw this like, this like weak guy, you know, this guy that was like troubled. And, and I was like, just put everything down, put everything down. And he puts everything back in the car. And he's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, man. I'm, I'm just like, it's like, I'm like, okay. All right. You put everything away. And he's like, I like to let him go. He's like, yeah, I did. And I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> he's like, he's like, I don't know, man. He's like, I'm just, you know, I'm a, I'm a heroin addict. I'm, I'm like, Baba tell me a story. He's like, this is embarrassing. He's like, I, you know, I shouldn't be doing this kind of stuff, but you know, whatever. And I just was like, I just saw a guy that was struggling. And when I saw, and I looked in his eyes, Previous to this, I'd gone through a pretty hard struggle. I've shared this on the podcast, but I'd gone through a really hard struggle. And I started to understand as I was looking him in the eye, what it's like to be in a really like empty, lonely place and, and to even to feel pretty desperate. I've never been that desperate, but I've been desperate. And I ended up, you know, I don't know what he did with this and people can judge it however they want, but I was like, well, what are you looking for? What do you need? And he's like, well, I, you know, I'm just, it's just looking for 10 bucks, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's probably trying to get a hit, whatever. And I'm like, all right, well, don't break into cars. <laughs> you know, he's like, I, I, he's like, it's, it's stupid. I'm not going to do it anymore, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, um, first of all, how do you break into mine? And he showed me how he broke in. So I've learned that, taught me how that actually happens. And then I was like, um, what do you need? And I ended up giving him 10 bucks. And I said, look, I also gave him my business card and I said, look, man, if you need somebody to talk to, 
if you want somebody to call, he's like, why are you being so nice to me? And I just told him, you know what? I've been in a hard place. I know what it's like. You know, I don't think you're doing the right thing here, but you know what? Everyone makes mistakes. Maybe you'll learn, you know, but look, if you're having a tough time, call me up. We'll talk. I, I know what it's like. And he was like, so thankful. and so grateful. And he walked away and I drove off my car, you know, no, no harm, no foul really. But in my mind, had you told me this was going to happen, I, I would have been the only outcome is me knocking this guy out. Like, that's really, really where my mind was. Yeah. Like, I, I'm going to, like, if someone does this, if I catch them, I'm going to fucking destroy them. Like, that's how I was thinking. But then it came down to the moment and that wasn't what happened at all. So that I would call a creative accident. That mm. would be a very interesting scene in a movie that really happened. Um, so if you're trying to be too crafty, you're trying to be too creative, you might think, oh, this scene goes a certain way, but I live this, this is my life, you know? And, and I, what I've found is that you have all sorts of thoughts in your mind as to how you think things will play out and how they will go. But when it actually comes down to it, when you actually get into it, you might find out that it's actually a lot different than you realize. And I found acting to be like that. I found like actually getting into your screenwriting to be like that. I found a lot of these creative arts are very much like that, that you think you know what's going to happen, but then you have to let yourself be there. And in that moment, you will discover, you know, and I found something out about myself that I never knew was in there. I thought I was an angry person. I thought I was actually, I thought I had a lot more violence in me. I realized that, you know what? I do have violence in me, but I actually have a kinder heart than I do violence. And in that moment, I didn't just kind of save him from a beating. I saved myself from one. Yeah. And I know it sounds very poetic, but it's actually very true. But I couldn't have predicted that until I got into that moment and it actually happened. Yeah, I think that that, I mean, that's a beautiful story and I've heard it, I've heard you tell it a few times before, but it's, I always, I always appreciate hearing it. Um, and sort of bring that sort of back around is like, yeah, like it's, you don't know, I, I think is, is something that a creative person really learns to embrace is this, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what this is going to be. I'm showing up as, as sort of prepared in the ways that I feel I need to be prepared um, which is going to change from situation to situation. You know, it's not always going to be the same. Um, but then to show up and be attentive and be present and, and, and open to receiving and responding to, um, you know, the, the, the totality of all the relationships that, that you are interacting with, you know, and that are around you. Um, and I think that that's a, that's a huge shift. It's, it's, it's really more so a shift in perspective than it is about learning a system, you know, like it's because it is something that's, that's fluid and dynamic and moving. It's in that space of, I don't know, and figuring things out as you, as you go along. Um, this was something that kind of I, I wanted to make sure I brought this uh, up and in, into the conversation because it was one of the things that kind of got us on to this this topic. Um, I was watching this interview that uh, that 
that happened uh, a number of years ago with Daniel Day-Lewis and, and Paul Thomas Anderson um, after uh, shortly after the release of uh, There Will Be Blood, which is an in, quite a, an insane movie um, and a brilliant, brilliant performance. I mean, anything Daniel Day-Lewis does is, you know, pretty much guaranteed to just be something extraordinary. He's my sort of champion. Um, and what I found so interesting about this, this sort of interview that was happening with like, uh, I believe it was at some school in New York. And there was this professor who was asking the two of them questions. And it was so much of, you know, what, you know, where we started out with this conversation of like clever or creative accident. And the questions that were being asked were in themselves, I felt were trying to be clever in and of themselves. Um, but they were also trying to extract some sort of a clever answer from, from the two of them. Uh, and it was so interesting how in many ways their responses were so counter to their intention, you know, and in many ways revealed this whole thing that we're talking about where these questions were, you know, and, and especially when you're talking about a school, you know, you've got these, you know, you know, these young acting and writing students who are, who are learning their craft and trying to get better at it. And, you know, you can sort of understand the desire to, uh, extract information that will give them ways of working uh, that could be useful. Um, yet at the same time, for all of these questions that we're trying to, to get these defined and definite answers to things, um, continually their responses were, well, that wasn't really intended. You know, it's like, oh, I noticed how you did this thing. Like, how did, how did that come about? Was that, did you get that from this part of your life or from, you know, this, did you, you know, there's, there was sort of this reaching for, for some sort of a, some sort of concrete answer, some sort of concrete thing that you could point to and define. It's like, ah, that's how you did it. That's how they did it. And you just watch how they continually did not answer in that way at all. Not because they were trying to, you know, be strange and mysterious figures, but for, to me, because of, you know, what I understand of these two people as artists, I understand them as, as people who really understand a lot of these things that we've been talking about in this conversation, where it's just like, look, we showed up, with this thing and we tried some stuff, <laughs> you know, like D Daniel Day-Lewis even answers in specific, you know, um, specifically to, to what I'm saying here as saying like, it's an experiment. The film was an experiment. What we were doing is an experiment as in saying like, well, we, we come together and we're, we're heading in a direction together and we're seeing what comes out of it but we don't know, you know, and that's, and that's the exciting thing. That's, and, and that was sort of, you know, the, what was brilliant about that movie. If you watch it, you can, you can 
see that. You can see there's this, um, at least for myself, I know that this is getting more into my own subjective kind of opinion on this thing, but there's this sense of, of not knowing what the hell is, is, is going on, what the hell is about to happen. But, but there's something so compelling and interesting and fascinating about it. And, and you're just sort of immersed in, in, in this space. And I just, I, I, it was so interesting how for me in watching this interview, how much these responses sort of undermined this, this, this compulsion that that so many of us have to to just understand things in a purely rational way you know so that like as if you can go and and recreate that thing somehow and it's just like you can't recreate that thing the only thing that there is is there is the creation of the thing that's happening right now that you are doing right now there's no recreating you know even even in um you know, in acting, uh, my teacher, uh, Larry would say, it's just like, you know, even though you're performing the same scene, you know, maybe you're performing the same play, the same scene, he's like, you're not recreating anything. You have to create this new every single time that you're doing it. You forget what happened last night. You forget what happened in rehearsal. You forget all of it. You have to die to all of that stuff if you're going to create something here and now. So dramatic, but yeah. it's so true. I mean, it's <laughs> like you really do. You have to die to, to to your idea. You have to die to what's happened. Um, the other thing I just wanted to kind of point out is that um, Daniel Day-Lewis saying it's an experiment. I mean, if that doesn't further the point that we're saying, I don't know what does, because an experiment is we're testing it out. We're seeing how this we're seeing what happens and if you do an experiment properly you might come in with a hypothesis an idea of what you think your result will be but sometimes you find out it's the opposite or something else entirely and sometimes you find out that you're doing an experiment about something you didn't realize you're doing an experiment about mm -hmm. um and i think art is like this you know and this is the point it's like these kind of creative accidents occur in the unknown and they're things that you discover. Um, I don't think there's any problem with having a plan or a direction or an idea of where you think you're going. I don't think that's a problem. I just think that you have to be willing to let go of it. I just think you have to be willing to let go of it if, if the art is asking you to let go of it, you know? And if mm -hmm. your life is asking you to let go of what you think the plan for your life is all the same, you know, it's, uh, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of, what it is right well yeah i mean like the the experiment element of it and and that is happening as they are they're filming you know it's not like you're experimenting before you get to it you yeah. know it's not like we're just doing the experiment like you know the whole even thing, if you were the experiment happens all over again yeah yeah the whole thing is an experiment every single time every single yeah. take is an experiment and also i mean like when you're dealing with the you know the arts particularly any any sort of creative field like things just work a little bit differently we're dealing a little bit more in the subjective world as opposed to the objective world and in that world there's there's all sorts of <laughs> there's all sorts of things that 
that can come into play in, in a sense that anything can come into play. It's not, you know, it's not two plus two is four. You know, it's like, oh, maybe this time it was two plus two is four, but next time it's two plus two plus what if we threw in an eight, two plus two (laughs) plus eight. And you know what? It, uh, uh, that doesn't equal, that doesn't equal 12. It, uh, let's say it equals, let's say it equals 22, (laughs) you know, like, (laughs) like that's sort of the way that this stuff works. There's not, there's not these sorts of, of limits and boundaries that exist in, in things like that. You know, and and even when you do find the boundaries of what you're experimenting on in that way, um, there's still the way that you understand that you've hit the boundary of it is still something that that is kind of indefinable. Mm-hmm. You're just like, you know, you chart it up. You're just like, ah, oh, that doesn't really work. That one, that one didn't work. Um, back to the experiment again. Let's try this one all over again you know, and let's find what else might fit into the equation here. <laughs> yeah. Lots of good stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's a good stuff. Um, How's your beer? It's good. Beer is good. Uh, I'm drinking, uh, I'll just, I'll just go ahead. I'm drinking uh, from Steel and Oak, the, uh, the dark lager, nice. the dark lager, which is, I, I'm pretty sure that it's, it's kind of a staple in their lineup now. I think it used to be like a one that was like a limited run, but they've, uh, that's one of their, their flagships at this point. And it's good. It's, uh, it's good. <laughs> I was just having beers at Steel and Oak last night. Went to the craft brewery and enjoyed myself. I've had this beer before, probably on the podcast as well. Um, Phillips Brewing and Malting Co., uh, this is Solaris, and it is a white peach ale. Oh, and I believe I've had that one. It's delightful. I always yeah. like peach in my beer. I'm a big fan of it, and this one is good. Very good. Great, in fact. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> um. All right, man. Well, uh, should we close this one out? Yeah, let's wrap this one up. Do you have thoughts or you want me to go? Um, I'll go. I'll go. Um, clever or creative accident. Yeah. Um, I think that we've made no sort of uh, <laughs> illusions about sort of which side of the equation <laughs> on this one we, we're on um, as far as what we kind of lean ourselves towards is is yeah creative accident is is more so what you want than than clever because in clever there's no there are no unexpected things in in clever and you know clever might get you get you a few things it might get you so far but it 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 will only get you so far mm-hmm. i guess is the is the whole thing behind it and um you know when it comes down to it and, and create and being creative it's it's about it's about setting out really you know it's like it's just about setting out a, on something with honesty and passion and openness um just to see what happens to is to run run the experiment 
I guess, run the experiment that you don't know what the outcome of it will be, you know, other than uh, a sense of, a sense of wonder and, and what will happen, you know, because I think none of us, this is maybe a side of it. None of us really set about any sort of endeavor with the intention of it being really negative. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) none of us set out with the intention of like, this is going to completely destroy me. (laughs) This will completely ruin my life. You know, it's like anything that we set out about, it's like, it's, there's some, there's some feeling of, of, as I said, wonder that there's some kind of joy to be, to be experienced, to be found. If I said about this way, now you might not know exactly how that comes about, but I think that we can trust that, that, that we're not, that we're, we're setting about something with, with a good, with goodness in it. Um, we somehow know there's goodness in, in those things and, and don't let cleverness and fear and some, some misplaced sense of security stop you from, from, from finding those, those creative accidents and where they might lead you. I like it. Um, okay. I'll say this. I think being clever is useful when you're trying to solve a problem, you know, you're trying to solve a problem and trying to figure out like a way around it. You can be clever in finding a kind of a new or interesting way, or, uh, you know, being quick enough to figure out a way. I think cleverness is valuable and useful in those types of scenarios, but I don't think relying on being clever or wanting to be known as being clever is a good idea as an artist or somebody who wants to live a really truthfully authentic life because you're not going to be, but don't take offense to this because it's nothing personal, but nobody's going to be smart enough to figure out the profound um, qualities of that are inside them that are, that are, that are even yet for them to see. I mean, you don't know what you're made of until you find yourself in the scenario. And you might not like what you're made of when you find out, but you know what? It's still interesting. And if you find out that you're actually quite cowardly and you thought of yourself as quite confident and, and strong, well, that's information. You can take that in, but like, you know, acting tough, acting like you're something other than what you are. It's all, it's all bravado. It's all fake. So, um, I think the the kind of idea is that by going into the unknown, you're forced to face the truth. And through facing the truth, you're going to find out something. And through finding it out, you have a chance now to actually respond to the truth. When you're, when you're being too, too creative about your creativity, there's, there's a lie in there. There's something deceitful. There's something not true about it. And I think at the end of the day, I mean, the, the, the two most important things that are really here is like for the artist who's trying to create something that is actually moving and impactful and, and meaningful and, 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 and something that actually lets their art like be more than just a carbon copy. You want to open up to the unknown so that you can, you can find out, like you can let this stuff come about. And 
as it comes about, you'll not only get to know yourself, but you'll get to discover things. You'll get to be a part of the creative process and it'll be probably as exciting to you as it is to the audience. And I think on a further note, you know, for the person who's just trying to live a life that's actually more authentic, you know, and, 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 and they're letting their true creative kind of, not even just creative, but their true self come out, let go of, of what you think you you're doing, what you think you're supposed to do, or what you think's the smart choice here and go with something that's like a little more honest, you know, something is a little more unknown and stop acting like, you know, or like you need to know and walk down and, and go find out what's there. And then I, I, I think that when you find out what's there, you'll have a more of a capacity to be able to go the next step and find out what's in the next step. And to me, I think that is the goal. Thanks for listening to the show. If you got something out of this, if you feel it improved your life or your journey in any way, please take a moment to subscribe, leave a review, or share the episode. You can also support us on Patreon, where we have tons of great bonuses. You are the ones that make the show possible and help us to thrive. Thank you for joining us.